Volume 1, Issue 6, the Assassin's Creed series so far. This week, in the run-up to Assassin's Creed Revelations release, we at Kane and Rince thought we would tackle all three of what could be classed as one of the biggest success stories of this generation. Some might argue Assassin's Creed is all style over substance. Others have been lost in their richly detailed worlds, living the dream of being one true assassin. Please note, there will be spoilers. I'm your host, Tony Atkins, and along for the ride on this week's show, as Leon recovers from his sickness, we have Jason Taylor. How do? Return of Carl Moon. Hey, guys. And introducing for the first time, contributor and all-round nice guy, James Carter. Good evening. I've played the Assassin's Creed games for around 150 hours, and I'm still not overly sure how to answer this question. So I'm going to field it to you, to you three. What the hell is the Assassin's Creed story all about? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> James. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I'll take this one. Well, I mean, they come, so there's three games in the series. Obviously, Assassin's Creed 1, Assassin's Creed 2. Did that have a cool sub- subtitle? No? Uh, no, just Assassin's Creed no. 2. And Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Yeah. Um, uh, essentially, the stories are about Desmond, aren't they? The, each, each game is bookended by uh, Desmond's story. Um, uh, Desmond being uh, a bartender who uh, was brought up uh, in, by parents who were assassins and left the assassin's camp early on in his life and uh, went off to do his own thing. He wasn't interested in that side of his, his uh, history, uh, only to be kidnapped by a rather large corporation called Abstergo who uh, kidnapped him to access his genetic memories. Um, just a side note there, genetic memories are nonsense. Absolute rubbish. But, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, but it was actually uh, reasonably well thought of theory at one point. The idea that um, we all have reflexes and innate actions in, to, to certain stimulus. So like the thought, DNA strands, that's the way they yeah, describe it's it. Yeah, D- DNA memory that has been learned, you know, the same that you see animals exhibiting behavior that they don't seem to have learned. It seems to be uh, born into them. Um, and, of course, it, it's, it's not to do with genetic memory of any sort. It's to do with the DNA itself um, and evolution dictating that we behave in certain ways because it's beneficial to us. Um, but anyway, so that, that's the conceit that, that Assassin's Creed operates on, um, which... Really, you just have to swallow and move on. I think, to be honest, it, it's it's not a great conceit, but it does open up access for Abstergo to uh, Desmond Miles's ancestors' memories that are uh, coded into his DNA, according to the the Assassin's Creed uh, lore. So, from the three games so far, there's two distinct time periods and two distinct assassin characters that we play. Uh, they are. Uh, Altair, uh, anyone want to take a stab at his surname? Yeah, I was I was looking at this earlier. Um, it's Altair Ibn-Lahad. Ibn-Lahad. It's strange. I, I, I totally forgot about all that, the element of Desmond's story where he's, he was living in a commune or something with his parents. Mm. I, yeah, and it, it maybe that's telling on how little of Desmond that I actually cared about it during the whole course of those games. That, that is, that's a very valid point. And I think we should get back to whether we enjoy the, the slightly supernatural element or, you know, the storytelling that they go into. But before we get there, I think we, we probably need to explain who Altair and who 
the mm. other character we haven't talked about? Is it Ezio? Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, Abstergo have this uh, piece of equipment called the Animus, which allows them to access Desmond's genetic memories uh, and take him back to his ancestors' time, uh, through which he explores the, the environment and their world and, and retells their story uh, while Abstergo are watching. And uh, in the first game, that's during the, um, the Crusades um, in, in the Middle East. Uh, and Altair is the, is the assassin who is Desmond's forebear that he inhabits during the game. Uh, then in Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood, it's uh, a different character, also one of Desmond's um, ancestors, uh, Ezio Auditori. Uh, that's the shortened version of his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's during the Renaissance period in Italy. This is it. There's there's so there's there's so much involvement with all three of these stories. Um, if you look at the, the whole DNA elements, but the, and then combine it with the you know the the, the telling of I mean certainly in Ezio's character uh, segment, the, the telling of the entirety of his story, how his family are basically um, murdered and killed, isn't it? Certainly that's the end of Assassin. Well, the start of Brotherhood, isn't it? Or how uh, his father is a Taken from him. The start of two, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So there's this much larger overarching plot. But what I wanted to get down to is what I mean, we're assuming that people that have um, are listening to this this Kane and Rin show have actually played all three of these games. So we know that they well, we hope that they know the rough outline. But can we get any deeper than than what we know from the outside? Is there any secrets that we have no idea about, or is there any pieces of information that we've we've managed to locate on the various well, research sites that tell us? The thing is, it, the story isn't just contained within these three games, anyway, is it? Because there's a whole bunch of spin-off games. On, I mean, this, as far as I'm aware, there's like, was it six, seven games that are in in total to do with the Assassin's Creed? Because you've got Altair Chronicles on the DS, mm-hmm. uh, you've got the Bloodlines on the PSP, and the Project Legacy, which was a Facebook game. And they're all sort of canon, if you will, as well. So it's it's a baffling. Uh, the, if you start going into the story, you've got to kind of cover all those angles as well, which most of us won't bother with anyway. So, um, but it's an interesting point. Is, has anyone played any of the portable games, the handhelds? Um, mm, not one iOS, of us. I think no. it was an iOS game. It was, and, yeah. And a Facebook game, and there's a graphic novel as well. Well, the thing is. Um, and I know this is, this is kind of jumping forward a little bit, but the, the, the forthcoming game, um, Assassin's Creed Legacy, uh, Revelations, apparently that started life as a 3DS game that, that when was cancelled, and, and they've taken elements of that and then turned it into what is now, or, or used some elements from that into what is now Revelations. So, you know, I guess maybe people weren't playing these um, handheld versions. I certainly didn't, and I'm only basing any knowledge I have of the series on the, the three main games thus far. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then um, I think we can all agree like, that they're fairly interesting and competent stories, actually, once you get into the Resistance period, uh, etc. But how do we feel about like, the whole, I almost want to say time travel, but it's not. No. The, you know, the, the, the coming back to playing as Desmond, um, does does that work for anybody? Um, would we rather these games just be set within these these universe where the assassins are, or actually having that overarching um, kind of 
as as thinly <laughs> laced out plotted as it is, uh, joining those two games and, and a third and whatever wherever the series goes, do you, do you think it's a good idea? Or do we like it? Um, I, I know I, for one, would rather they had not done that stuff at all. Um, the Desmond mm. stuff is the elements that I get bored with as soon as he's on screen, I just don't care about that that element. Maybe in part because we've not been made to care enough about his story. You know, they've been slowly piecing it together, and the problem is it's so so vague at the moment. It, it almost feels like it's detracting from what I want to do, which is play sort of in the historical aspects of the game. Um, yeah. You know, it was telling with. Um, with Brotherhood that they didn't they gave you the ability to sort of forego all the Desmond stuff apart from sort of right at the very beginning and right at the very end but other than that I know I didn't ever come out of the Animus um, to have a wander around just because I, I can't be bothered with Desmond but it it, they could have made this. It's just a it's just a plot device, isn't it? It's just a way of kind of to to link everything that they yeah. could have made that game entirely set in the history and just moved it forward you know in in some maybe have a, a different way of linking these characters like one from you know middle uh, medieval syria to um uh renaissance italy you know you need to find some other contrivance to connect them but um you know you could have they could have just naturally progressed through the ages with this story um, I mean, they kind of have linked the story, uh, but even in Assassin's Creed 2, they had Altair's armor, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. there was yeah. there was links to him, and clearly Ezio was being uh, taught who he was, and mm. the, the idea being by the end of Ezio's trilogy with Revelations, the, I mean, the trailers are fairly clear that you're going to mm. see him going on a journey that also involves Altair, albeit not at the same time. Yeah. Um, and and I think I think you're right. It's incredibly telling that. In the first game, after every memory strand, you were brought back out of the Animus mm. and given a bit more of Desmond's story. And by the second game, that was much reduced. And and you're quite right in Brotherhood. Aside from you know coming out to see all the stuff that you couldn't really do when you were coming out to be Desmond, it was it was entirely optional. But other, certainly, other than the little bit at the front and the back. But certainly in Brotherhood, obviously the place where you come out in is relevant to the story. Um, but I mean, I, I would argue that although it, it doesn't make for interesting gameplay mechanics, I think it actually does lend a little something different to the Assassin's Creed series. Um, you know, there, there's, of course, the whole weird alien plot, which I don't think they've really explained yet, um, which is, is far beyond even anything that I, I guess they're doing with the animus side of stuff and well, coming back out. See, I, I, I do wonder um, whether anybody at Ubisoft actually knows where they're going with this. You'd hope. Well, yeah, well, I would hope so. I mean, I think all good stories, you need to have a, an idea of where the end is. Even if it's not fully fleshed out, you need to have, a, you know, the bearing. And maybe they do, but it sure as hell doesn't feel like it. Because it, it almost feels like they're just, they are literally just padding this out. Because, uh, I mean, certainly with the Ezio um, aspect of it, it just feels like... You know, this is now the third game with this character. And, um, you know, you kind of think, well, this wasn't initially what we thought we were going to get with Assassin's Creed. You know, the very early stuff was talking about how they would they could go at any point in history and do all this different stuff, all the different ages and stuff. Mm. And it would piece together this amazing plot. And it's like, but it, it, you're not really doing that. Maybe, 
you know, because they they said that the next the next game will finish Desmond's story. So you kind of think, so does that mean that's the end of Assassin's Creed, or or you know, are you going to then go off and have another guy trapped? Let me put it this way: it's earned them plenty of money. So is it the end of Assassin's Creed? No. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, I think that's a valid point about um, wanting to stay within the Ezio universe. It, to me, it's quite a strange one. From the you know, we went from the first one, um, and I love Jerusalem as a as a city. I found it you know, but what's the word? Uh, aesthetically, very very um, interesting and intriguing. When I first you know rode up on my horseback and looked mm. over that city, I hadn't seen nothing like it before in a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really excited about that, and and I had the same feeling when I came into Rome. I was like, "Wow, this is Rome, and lots of districts thereof." Um, and there was just that element of of coming into the Brotherhood of kind of seeing it before. It's a different, you know, it's a larger area of one part of Rome, but I, I wanted that something special. And obviously, Revelations is set within the same. Well, is it's not. Is it Rome or is it? No, well, I think he'll, he starts in Rome, doesn't he? But then he goes to... He's, um, he's on a journey, yeah. Yeah, he goes back to Syria and the Middle East and stuff. So. But I, I, yeah, a, a different time period and setting probably would have uh, made me a lot more intrigued. Even even if he... Well, no, I think the time period is, is, is critical to it. But they seem to be almost like in, in old game mechanics themselves, got wrapped up in the SEO story. Uh, that you know, they they don't quite know how to link if they went to an entirely but different time period. Back I think into I know it. I think they know what they're doing. Um, it, it's to do with focus. They want to keep the story a lot more focused. Mm. At the launch of Assassin's Creed, as Jay said, and a lot of the problems had with the game was that I think they wanted to go big with it, but it did have a proper identity crisis. A lot of people who played that game weren't sure what it was meant to be. Was it supposed to be like mm. Tomb Raider? Was it supposed to be like Prince of Persia? And it ended up sort of somewhere in the middle and been incredibly repetitive because of it. Uh, they didn't, you know, it wasn't sort of built up to be a story-based game. It was, you can do all this, but it was a lot of the same stuff. The Desmond story uh, didn't really... Strangest video game mechanic I can really think of take place until after the credits and you'd be only if you read about it or you were going for the achievement by using your eagle vision on the wall to mm. read the blood above your bed after the game had finished. That's where the Desmond yeah. story started. It was only the second game where the Desmond story really started to be a major element in the game. And you can almost, you could play from Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood and Revelations without playing the first game. Mm. Yeah. I believe now it's like it is. Out on big game from want to a beginning in the middle of an and an end and that's why I've got three titles it'll be rounded up a lot more especially after the cliffhanger of brotherhood the irony of that is though that uh, in the first game without the interludes with desmond that would have made the game seem a lot more repetitive and by the time you get to assassin's creed 2 i think certainly i feel arguably you didn't need desmond's story because Ezio's story on its own was handled a lot better the game was designed a lot better and it could have stood as one of as jay was saying a series of historical games linked together by the you know the assassin's creed if you like Mm. i mean i've often wondered if if with the first game because it's got that very science fiction element to it when you go in the desmond side of things Mm. um if that was not there to sort of pull people in who don't like you know, in the same way that people don't like World War II shooters because they prefer the modern 
rather than the old. And the idea of running around with your swords and stuff kind of maybe put people off. So they added this sort of sci-fi element to it to try and hook them in. But, you know, what was the sci-fi? You got up and had a look around a, a modern bathroom and a modern bed, you know, and it was just like, you know. Oh, oh. They were worried about that. Uh, there's no doubt about that. They didn't mention it in the build-up mm. to the game. Everything they showed was Altair gameplay. And yeah. it was this whole what's the secret sort of thing behind yeah. Assassin's Creed. And it broke out that it was actually set modern day and you were using a machine. I know mm. that the most people were a bit underwhelmed by the fact that, oh, so it is time traveling. And I think a lot got sort of lost. And perhaps maybe if the first one didn't exist, we probably wouldn't have Desmond and Desmond's backstory through the games. But mm. I actually quite like that because it's a very good pacing element to those games. When you actually think about it as well, that the, the games themselves have been set in two very unique um, settings. It's not like you know games are, are tripping yeah. over themselves to do you know resistance or even you know a, even um, to cover Jerusalem themselves. Yeah, the Middle East. Mm. Yeah, the Middle East. It, yeah, the Crusade. It's it's you know it's an unused area of game design. Add on top um, the fact that it's got this weird supernatural element, which we still haven't really seen in in many other games. Certainly, the way they they portray in this. So I, I actually think it it gives it. A little something different. Mm. I argue, I, you know, I do wonder how important it is to the overarching story. I, I think we'll probably find that out more as we go down, you know, the later titles in the series. Mm. But um, it, it's to, to me, it's it's weird that they they just kept on with the whole um, Ezio stuff. I mean, I I appreciate a, a big long overarching story. I, I really do. But I, I feel like um, Brotherhood when I was first playing it, anyway. I thought it was a great way to reuse a lot of the assets that they had already done for mm-hmm. the um, uh, for Assassin's Creed 2, and they could make back a bit of money from that story. It was it was a good and interesting story, but I really wasn't expecting there to be a Revelations, that, which is going to be a number three, uh, which just makes it feel all just a bit too similar again, and that they're you know they're just trying to save that little bit more money from that and from not having to you know do a whole new area, a whole new time period, a whole new you know costumes and whatnot. Yeah, but at this stage, we don't really know how much is Ezio and how much is Altair in, in Revelations. It might True. be evenly split, which it'll be good because I actually, of all the games so far, I've actually enjoyed one. I think the setting of one is far more evocative than, than Renaissance. Well, for different reasons, but I'm, I'm fascinated with the whole Crusade era sort of mm-hmm. setting. And I think it's, like you said, it, it's not something that we see a lot in, used in games. Can anybody explain the the myriad of secrets that actually of you know within the Assassin's Creed series? Obviously, we we have stuff um, like the pieces of Eden, uh, isn't it? On on Brotherhood, you collect all the feathers, and you know you you watch the. Well, I don't think the feathers or the flags have any relevance out to the to anything really. They're just there for. They're just as a, a, as a mechanic. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You have the marker on the wall set in Brotherhood where you can see and then jump yeah. through into time portal or into portals, which then add to a, a grander. Uh, story has has anyone done all those and completed all those segments? Uh, yeah, yeah. And the story that they tell because they're some of the the more weirder out there. Um, the story they tell leads on from what Carl was talking about the end of um, the end of the first Assassin's Creed when when you see the blood on the wall and Subject Sixteen has left a message for you. Um, and this is continuing what Subject Sixteen found out who who is. 
I think I'm right in saying the subject immediately prior to Desmond that Abstergo put onto the Animus and, and relived his memories and slowly but surely he was pushed too far. Um, and he has left these coded messages within your memories um, or within Desmond's DNA memories, if you like, for him to find. But it's still, again, it's unclear where they're going with that Desmond side of the story. And, and so until we get to the Desmond game, which from the sounds of what people are saying, and certainly how I feel, I'm, I've got mixed emotions about it. I want to see the end to the Desmond story, but that's not the stories I play these games for. It's like Jay's saying, to go into the worlds and to see Ezio's story, to see Altair's story. Yeah, but you, you think these aren't the story, that isn't the story you want, but they, they've been gradually building up um, Desmond throughout all three of the games. Mm. Um, at the end of Brotherhood, he becomes somewhat of a, you know, he, he inhabits Ezio's abilities mm-hmm. um, pretty wholeheartedly. You take down a number of people that are trying to kill you at the end of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you do wonder where it's going to lead. I mean, would you want to play an Assassin's Creed where you're playing as Desmond in the modern day setting using the, the tools that you've learned from history's past? I mean, that would still be pretty interesting, wouldn't it, as a, as a gameplay mechanic? See, I've wondered about this. I, I wonder if it'll just feel like Splinter Cell. But um, it... You see, I'm more interested in, in Subject 16. It's, this is why I get confused with their story, because Subject 16 seems to be quite, or seem to have been quite important within the fiction. Mm. So why have we not got a Subject 16 game where we can really see <laughs> what was going on on his side? You know, in terms of, uh, because he is supposed to be a direct descendant more so than... As you were saying, James, was he a direct descendant of Adam and Eve? Who? Oh, that's the implication, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, but you kind of think he's gone in and left all these messages, and and was, and you can't. I want to know more about him, and why can't? Mm. And who who did he? Who, who was his ancestors? Who who you know what? What did he play in this big scheme of things with? his ancestral memories, mm. you know, and it's like, we're just focusing on the Desmond thing and it almost feels like he's only part of a big picture. So why don't we start to see more of the bigger picture rather than just keep focusing on this fucking bartender? <laughs> <laughs> but, but aren't they doing their job at that point? Because you're, you're curious about the subject 16. You're actually in some respects curious to see how Desmond pushes himself with the story. Um, and maybe, or maybe, or maybe I'll just get so curious that I'll stop playing the game and just read what people say about it on the wiki pages afterwards. I, I, I actually think there is some danger that I mean, the hype level for uh, revelation, re- yeah, revelations isn't, um, hasn't been quite as intense as I've seen other Assassin's Creed's in the past. Mm. Do you say that's fair? I mean, that, that's what I've noticed. I mean, we'll know in a few weeks' time once it's hits. Hit um, I think that that may be a an element of um of the time as it is. You know, it's been released in a pretty heavy period of of game releases at the moment, and yeah. with some pretty major titles. So I just think it's a case that you know nobody's caring until the week it's out, and then everybody will sort of get back on board. That's the hype. Definitely train. the case. I mean, you yeah. look. Two weeks from today, it's released, mm. and there's already two massive games released ahead of it in Skyrim yeah. and Modern Warfare 3, and of course we've just had Battlefield 3. Yeah, and Uncharted 3. And of course Uncharted 3, yeah. And Batman, which shares some similarities with its mm. traversal as well, so mm. it, if it, not the story. <laughs> it, it's frightening. The game will sell well uh, because it's popular, but the hype hasn't built up. I think the 
quite slow getting the trailers out on TV. I, I remember them pushing the likes of Brotherhood a lot earlier because they had that big open window of anticipation to build up. They don't really have that now. So it's going to have to be a really aggressive advertising campaign. Well, and I, then, think they've then toned, I think you'll see interest. I think they've toned it down anyway since... Because Assassin's Creed 2 had one hell of a promotional uh, mm-hmm. setup where they made that live-action movie, so to speak. Well, I mean, that, that's a point I was going to bring up. Many people have argued that the key to Assassin's Creed success can actually be contributed to its aggressive marketing campaign. If you, if you remember the, the first game, um, although it wasn't the greatest game in the world, that was everywhere. They pushed that with all their might. Um, mm. I remember thinking at the time Ubisoft were taking a real big gamble on a new IP. I mean, we saw it at E3 and it, you know, it looked incredible, but it was a new IP after all. So, mm. you know, do you think that they, they pushed it and, and it's brought its success? Or certainly in the first game, it brought its success um, to then be given a sequel, which I think improved in, in many aspects? Yeah. Yeah, I do, because I, I know that I, I decided I was going to play Assassin's Creed after watching that gameplay video at E3. I was sitting there thinking, okay, I want to play this, because it looks different. It is something new. I was going to say, I think the big thing about the first game that got so many people interested was the videos of showing him being able to climb on any surface. At mm. the time, I can't think of many games where that was actually possible, that you could traverse such buildings by grabbing hold of things that weren't signposted, as there were in, obviously, previous mm. Tomb Raider and Prince of Persia games. And, of course, since yeah. then, we've had Uncharted and the Tomb Raider reboot. Um, I can't, what was the Tomb Raider game called from a couple of years ago? Underworld. Underworld, yeah, that, and they did the same thing. So it, that is what got me. But the weirdest thing that I remember is I didn't see any trailers. All I just heard was this name mentioned again and again, and it was just Jade Raymond. And I was like, who is this Jade Raymond? Oh, it's Assassin's Creed. Oh, okay. And Actually, I did, I did have, they had um, a pretty good trailer for Assassin's Creed, which was, um, it was a CG if I'm not mistaken, it might have even been the guys who, who are the, the London-based um, company that does the really cool CGI trailers for stuff. Um, anyway, but they had a really, uh, you know, where he was um, blending into the crowd and, and then assassinating somebody. And I think he was set to a massive attack track. That's certainly what I remember more than any uh, gameplay videos. It's the trailer that I actually remember, which I mm. guess goes to show that no matter who you were, you you remember the marketing one way or another for for this game, because the trailer is what I remember, and I rem- that's what piqued my interest in the game. Mm. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean that that that's relevant to anything, though, isn't it? I mean, we remember um, a good advert, no matter what it's advertising, mm. even if it's a product you're not interested in. A good advert does its job by sort of you just remember it. I mean, I you know I will always remember the the drumming gorilla, no matter what. But it's <laughs> just you know, and it. it you know that that that's what marketing is supposed to do, but it's sometimes it works and a lot of the time it's it doesn't. Very powerful in video games as well. I mean, Dead Island is the perfect example mm. of how advertising can peak interest. Mm. I mean, the the game wasn't up to much, but that trailer just got so many people involved. And I think you're right, Assassin's Creed and actually Assassin's Creed Two and Brotherhood, which followed it, also had very very strong emotive adverts that used the music. To mm. emphasise its product, didn't Brotherhood well, they, have the live action? Wasn't it? No, no, that was Assassin's Creed Two. But Brotherhood went back to a CGI trailer where it was, um, it was, it was the trailer that I remember was the one that was showing the team or the having the other assassins to back you yeah. up. 
because he gets surrounded by sort of, um, well, they would have been sort of Roman guards. And the next thing, there's all these other assassins coming down from the rooftops. Which, from everywhere, yeah. Yeah, which again, as a trailer, you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, just because he was like, okay, what's, you know, it piques your interest. And, and it, I, I was going to say, I mean, this was a conversation that arose mainly from Twitter, actually, um, when I was, you know, fielding for questions, what people mm. would like to know on this week's show. Um, and the whole advertising thing came up time and time again from people just saying that, that they feel like it's it's brought its way to success but surely that's what advertising is there to do yeah exactly um, yeah I don't, I don't really foresee that it's a problem i, I remember the, the scandal about jane raymond and, and the way that she was pushed out the front and you know wrongly or rightly by ubisoft at that point you know they were very proud that they they had a what was she she was game she was executive producer no, no producer she was, on the first game. Producer yeah. on the first game she was, yeah. yeah. So, so they seemed very excited that they, they, they had somebody of such a high role and that they did mm. push her out in front of the press and the press lapped it up. And, you know, you can say Jay Raymond to pretty much any game now and they go, oh, yeah, yeah sure, Ubisoft, Assassin's Creed. Mm. Um, I don't think this is necessarily the, the show to decide whether that was right or wrong, but she seems to have taken somewhat of a back step. But isn't she still... No, she actually, is. she's she um, she's the managing director now of uh, Ubisoft Toronto. Slightly off topic for a while, but I, I, I we, we had this conversation last night as we were discussing the show. It's like I felt it was there was a lot of you know there was oh, there was some utter bollocks in that argument. You know, people were accusing her of being just a figurehead because she's got a, you know, uh, she's a pretty woman and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, she's actually qualified to do what she does. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's worked as a programmer for Sony. She worked for EA. You know, she's not like she just came in with a pretty, uh, a big smile and a pretty face and got the job. You know, she's worked her way up there and she deserved. Here's the thing. Had that been a guy on stage and had they been the, because the, I mean, a lot of the, the ridicule came from a few glitches that happened on their demonstration. Had that been a bloke on stage, there wouldn't have been any controversy about it. But, oh, no, you know, they had to kick it off with that. And it was just, it was ridiculous to a point. But I'll probably end up cutting all this out because it was a bit irrelevant. No, I mean, I but I actually, I think it, it's maybe not relevant, but it's something that uh, our audience will be interested to hear our thoughts on. And it, I think it, more than anything, it just shows how immature the industry still is. Um, well, you know, uh, the, well, the industry or the community surrounding it. Cause well, actually, well, actually of, for, in, in this one particular case, I think a bit of both. I think it was yeah. Ubisoft had pushed her out in there in some respects to you know gain some press. Um, it, it clearly worked. But at the same time, I, you know, I think the reaction of both the press and the gaming audience towards it, just it did show quite how immature we were. Like, oh, look, pretty women on stage. Mm-hmm. Can we see beyond you know, the veneer and actually you know, be interested in what she has to say? Uh, and for a lot of people, that was no. The fact that her name is still, uh, still rings around the towers, if you say it, actually does prove that you know, you know, maybe you know, she's the one rare example where she's been put out front. And it's, you know, it is awkward um, seeing it from a distance, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to change. I don't think it has changed. You, don't, you certainly don't see many female... Um, Producers being pushed out to the front of stages, unless they're on Microsoft well, press should, conferences. You know, maybe and, uh, maybe the, you, maybe we can say to Ubisoft that you know credit to you for having for breaking the habit of having you know your, these guys come up on stage and introduce your games. How about you know get if you've got female staff or female producers, is get them out there and let them you know give them a, a chance to have a, you know a presence, if you will. 
it's you know it almost feels ridiculous to be sort of arguing against uh, about it not against it but very much i think what i would say is i don't know so much what ubisoft's motives are obviously but they were a bit naive i think probably to put a a, a female producer out there on stage and not realize what was the potential was there for that to happen but maybe you're right jay maybe the solution is no you know we're not going to put up with this and just start putting uh, female producers out there and start making a bigger deal of it and just ride the storm. Because sooner or later, people will get used to it and they'll have to grow up. And I think this comes back to my original point that it was actually this controversy around her presence that actually brought me of interest towards <laughs> the title. Mm-hmm. And until that happened, I'd never seen it. Yeah. So, you know, good or bad, it certainly brought a lot of people in. And I think most of all, if you actually look at what she did, she spoke very clearly and did an excellent job at PR work for that game. The, the bigger question is, is she better than Mr. Caffeine Man? Oh, no. <laughs> um, so quickly, let's get a little bit back on, onto the story so we can move on to some of the other aspects. I mean, with the story being pretty out there, the series has somehow kept its history timeline pretty intact uh, and has used recognisable history characters such as Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Machiavelli, uh, to enhance the plot. Mm. It's a fairly underused game mechanic, but do we actually think it adds legitimacy to the storyline or is it just merely a distraction? It definitely adds something, doesn't it? I mean, the fact that you always... Names, even if you don't know your history, you know, the Borgias, you know, they've had... Their names are familiar to people. Mm-hmm. even if they don't know what for, you know, um, Machiavelli and, and all these things. And I think it just helps ground the, the story in that kind of, although it's all fiction, you know, there's, well, you see, it, it just adds a certain weight to it that I, I quite, I, I got to, it's one aspect of that that I really like. And, you know, it, it's, it's something that I, I think credit to them for doing it. It's, it's quite, you know, it, it can't be easy. It's quite clever stuff they've done on, on some levels with some of the characters. But I think, well, I think the inclusion of Da Vinci is hilarious in many respects. And it's a stroke of genius because everyone knows who Da Vinci is. Um, and, you know, they, they know well, a lot more about his art side, but he was an inventor on, on the other side. And I think there's a great way of bringing that in as, as somebody who was undercover. Uh, and doing good for society and not just for his But paintings. it does make me wonder if, if the reason they went to um, Renaissance Italy was because of things like the Da Vinci Code and this whole, um, you know, because the, the, the idea that there's been a secret society manipulating human um, culture or societies um, throughout history is, is, you know, what, what are they, the Illuminati. And the Templars. Yeah, well. there's yeah. all this stuff sort of, they, they, what they're doing is merging all these kind of um, conspiracy theories and stuff into the game plotline, and I think in one way, if you if you buy into that kind of stuff, even if it's just as a, as a sort of uh, as a diversion, you know, you like reading about all these kind of fanciful um, conspiracies. That it, it helps tap into all that and makes the games mm. a little bit more interesting because they're using familiar themes. They've obviously used a lot of creative license in doing it, but there's no oh, yeah. problem with that. And of course, most of all with Renaissance Italy to the core of the game is that the environments are incredibly interesting. You know, you've got mm. the Rome Colosseum, you've got the Piazza de... Oh, I can't remember the name of it now. And, <laughs> yeah. But you've got all these places that you have seen before. Mm. And mm-hmm. 
you're you're more aware of where you are in the world because of it. I think it's that yeah. that level of accuracy with the even going back to one where they said they'd used whatever reference material they had of the layouts and the cities um, that they depicted um, made it kind of interesting, you know, because you kind of thought, I wonder if, when I was playing it, I was wondering how close they would have been, you know, if there was any way we, any way of telling, which of course there isn't, but how interesting would it have been to see how close they were to what was really there at the time. I mean, obviously they, they use a lot of the same kind of building um, assets and stuff throughout all the games, but <laughs> these games really do capture an atmosphere of, 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 a, of a living, breathing city, quite unlike, say, second only to perhaps Rockstar's um, stuff, but, you know, on a different level <laughs> altogether. But That's exactly what I was just thinking, is that in, exact, in the same way that Rockstar built, especially for GTA 4, because they made a big deal of it, mm. they built Liberty City to be... New York. It, they made they made no bones about the fact this was New York, and they they didn't use sort of known uh, characters. But what they did was they they played with American culture and put in lots of references to things that we all know or feel or or think rightly or wrongly mm-hmm. about a city like New York. And it's exactly what they did with Assassin's Creed was, especially with Renaissance Italy. Pulling in people like Machiavelli, Da Vinci, Borgias, and, and the Medici family mm. uh, that that Ezio's part of, um, they they tried to paint a pastiche of Renaissance Italy that we would recognise, and and then built on the that secret society, the conspiracy side of it, that all of those names and all of those people in that particular era of history are are tied to, and made it feel whether or not it's accurate they made it feel realistic or or accurate in a way that we have no reason necessarily to believe it is i think it's a masterstroke actually um more so than any other part i think from the game i just i love being in those environments hmm. um i mean i'm sure we've all been here but you certainly in brotherhood you you have the ability to rebuild the cities um you know rebuild its culture the art the economies um, and by doing that, you you have more money coming in, and you can then renovate the, mm. like the Colosseum, and, and prior that, it brings you more money in. Um, and I, I ended up taking so much pride in in buying every single painting in the game. Yeah. And uh, long after mm. I got the all the achievements for stuff, I was like, well, you know, I've got the achievements for doing this. Uh, hmm. Well, we might as well get a hundred percent here because you know the world needs it. And I found myself spending a lot more time, not even in any gameplays. Uh, really at all just waiting for money to to build up and and walking around and you know seeing how the the place would evolve around me buying into stuff and the city mm. building around me and it's a it's a great little distraction but it also just shows you how um solid the environments feel mm. every time that you you're running up and down the environments it it feels like everything is a building there um although I'd be remiss to saying that sometimes the AI of the hundreds and thousands of people in this city wasn't ridiculously some uh, annoying uh the beggars for instance amount of mm. times i killed a beggar just because he just wouldn't leave me alone they'd be chasing me around saying more coins please please pay some coins good god just want to <laughs> tell me i'm not the only person that knifed the beggar <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm sure we all the minstrels yeah, yeah the minstrels as soon as they start Are singing it's song? like okay blades out <laughs> and inevitably they get in your way as well and mm. just stick to you like glue yeah but i, I think it comes to something when, you know, when Assassin's Creed came out, the ability to have crowd technology like mm. that, 
it was actually something pretty specials maybe too going too far but to be able to have that and and to go for the social stealth that they were pushing with the trailer you know being able to blend in with people and, and okay it was very uh it was slightly well at least slightly awkward in terms of the way it worked and not as fluid as as the trailer suggested but just the fact that they could do that mm. um having some of the characters from that first game all the way through to brotherhood be annoying and hearing the same lines again and you know only having two or three voice actors do all the different voices they're gripes but but it's it's the aim yeah. of what they tried to do or the ambition that that well, sticks I think, with me i think the game has had a hell of a lot of influence over over other other, other titles mm. um i mean i you know i wonder how different uncharted would be had there not been an assassin's creed oh, because, a continuous link well no but, but here's the thing i, I mean just just today, I've been watching a, an Uncharted three featurette, and they were talking about how they wanted Drake's character animation to react to stuff around him. So if you turn a corner fast, he puts his hands on the wall, which he does, and you kind of think, well, okay. But Assassin's Creed was the first game that I remember seeing that kind of mechanic, where as he's working his way through the crowd, he's he's moving mm-hmm. his his whole body's like slipping through between people. And he was like almost, you got the sense of him knowing that they're there and reacting to them and changing the way he was moving around them. And, and you know, obviously with certain walls as well. If you, and it was just, you know, I think the game has had a hell of a lot more influence over stuff than, than a lot of people may give it credit for. Before we, we travel too far down the gameplay mechanics, I, mm-hmm. I just want to touch a little bit um, on the graphics again. Um, Mainly because, as I said, right at the start of the show, I remember um, on my horseback coming into uh, Jerusalem for the first mm-hmm. time. Um, oh, yeah. And maybe some of that's the, the misty-eyed um, beginnings of HD graphics. Um, Assassin's Creed was pretty early on in the life cycle of the 360. I couldn't believe the, the sun, the glow that was shining over the hills and the warmth mm-hmm. that was actually coming from the surrounding areas. Um, and even within the Renaissance Italy sections, it, it just... It adds so much legitimacy to what you're actually doing within these environments. Um, the buildings are, are absolutely painstakingly put together. Just, who knows whether they're you know they're, they're perfect, but they feel perfect, and that's that's the way to go. And the the crowds and it it feels like a living, breathing city. And there's few other games that actually manage to do that. Um, mm. Was anyone else quite as blown away as the first time they saw Assassin's Creed as me? Definitely. That moment you're talking of, absolutely. Uh, it was shortly after I got a 360 in 2007 that I was playing this, and to come around the corner and see that, and through all of the games, the Eagle's Nest viewpoints going up there oh, and just hitting yeah. is it the Y button and doing a pan round, it still gets me, still now. And and yet other games have now uh, done similar and probably mm. done better. And you know we've got Skyrim coming out, which lauds the the ability to literally go wherever you can see but to a large extent in assassin's creed you get the same you know if you're up on one of those viewpoints and you see another viewpoint that's slightly higher i can't help but do a leap of faith off there and just go straight hell for leather for that next viewpoint you know whoever come up with the leap of faith game design deserves an award because now i have that same feeling i always go up there and it actually is a very clever gameplay mechanic because it unlocks a section of the map each and every Mm. time so, you know, there's reasons to be climbing those towers. But I don't know, I, I found myself on occasion sitting up on those perches, you know, with the eagles flying around your heads for, you know, three or four minutes, just taking, you know, the breathtaking views in. Um, also, uh, going back to Brotherhood, actually, um, 
I found the way they managed to segregate different societies within that uh, within Rome, you know, brilliantly done. Um, you had the very poor district, and then you know, slightly you know, the whore sections, which was quite good. Um, but uh, more in particular, it, it's the whole. Uh, now I want to say it's where the Pope lives, and that's terrible. I should know exactly where that is. Vatican City. That's it. Yeah, the, the, the whole <laughs> Vatican City section where mm. it feels. Com- completely alien to everything else within Rome. Um, mm. It's his own little society and it's so well protected and guarded. And this was meant to be the church, you know, the, you know, the, the power of all, you know, everybody's welcome. And, you know, clearly in that little estate there, it's so hard, and, you know, to penetrate and get in. It still you, is. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, exactly. But it, 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 it comes across really as like a, this alien place. And I thought that's brilliant. Mm. But although they really should check out some of the, you know, the, the areas you can swim and then just climb up the sides. Because <laughs> man, right, so now, now you've said that, Tony. I'm just thinking. We, we were talking about how they've sort of. I, I can't believe that the Ubisoft intended to do an Ezio trilogy when they started. They, they intended a Desmond trilogy, I think, and we're, we'll get back to that at some point. You know, after Revelations has mm. come out, as you say, the next game. Um, but I just wonder. I think once they realised how successful two had been, they wanted to revisit um, Brotherhood. But I wonder how much of it was down to that little section at the end yeah. of two where you go into Rome and you haven't been there the rest and, and they didn't really get a chance to let you explore it. Yeah, because I remember seeing a lot of forum posts at the time where people were saying that they, they wished they'd expanded mm. that and it wasn't just yeah. running along the um, the sort of wall of the uh, the castle, if yeah. you will, mm, rather yeah. than, yeah, they wanted to go further with that and I guess maybe somebody took note of that. I mean, who's to say they hadn't already started developing it from that point anyway? Yeah. Um, which I expect they had because it was only 12 months later, wasn't it, when mm. they released Brotherhood, so, yeah. Yeah, I think whether it was players who wanted to return to Rome or, in fact, whether it was actually the development team mm. wanted to return to Rome, either way, I, I, it seems to me, because I felt, that way to a certain extent i felt a little cheated at not getting to see more of rome and then of course they gave it to to us in uh, in brotherhood so here's the thing though i mean this is definitely a series that improves upon the last game at least in my opinion i've i've found that mm-hmm. each each game that they've released of the core games on the main consoles has actually improved what they've done before so mm-hmm. refining, say, you know, in Assassin's Creed 2 was the first time they added um, the sort of, uh, what do you call it, mechanic, where you buy the shops, the... Um, not the yeah, you had the economy. Yeah, yeah the, the economy. The the, yeah. And then yeah. that obviously got expanded to a great degree in, in Brotherhood, which I found that stuff to be so addictive. I, I was OCD about that. I had to get every <laughs> single shop and... You know, it wasn't so much about the money. I, the thing that really, really made me want to do that was the way that it changed the environment, the way yeah. that it went from sort of dirty and grey to bright and, and flowers would appear on, you know, and it was just, it, you knew, yeah, you felt that you were having a, an impact on that world. I actually, I, yeah. I love taking down the Bourgeois Towers because, that, yeah. I mean, mm. exactly, you know, to your point there, it was the the renovation that you would see around those and the communities that are suddenly built around together mm. uh, such a sense of pride every time I, I love those missions going in there and working out the gameplay uh, aspect and, and that then opened up all of the the banks and the shops for you yeah. to to go and interact with and further improve 
that area of the city for all the citizens there. Well, so, and, yeah, even, be... and even push further into the map itself. Quite often yeah. you yeah. try to wander around the back of something and goes, oh, no, 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 you, you haven't unlocked the memory for this yet. Oh, for mm. God's sake. And they're actually <laughs> pushing it a little bit further in Revelations by adding everybody's favourite gameplay mechanic tower defense uh, where they will actually try and take back (laughs) their areas so you can set up fortifications and troops and help battle so offensively you take on a defensive role rather than the offensive role that you've taken in the previous three titles Mm -hmm. where you're trying to hold the area for your people and that could be really interesting and it's not even just moves like that every iteration as Jay said has had improvements. I mean, you've got Assassin's Creed 1, you couldn't swim. Assassin's Creed 2, you could, so because that was a major complaint. Yeah. The, it's obviously a lot less repetitive. They added the little feature where you could jump further up a building, so you could grab a ledge, then jump up and up again, mm. because yeah. that drove people mad in the first one. Uh, the collectibles improved, because there was no point in flags, so they added feathers, which was for your mother because yeah. she loved them. You got paintings, which would bring in the economy. You found uh, items to do with codex pages, which were to do with the the history of the world, so you could learn more about mm. sort of the background story of the game, you know, Project 16, uh, Thingy 16. Um, little features like being able to hide in the crowd, as James said. The first one, it was a little bit clumsy because you would set to hide amongst people and you would be on a fixed path. Now, mm. in Assassin's Creed 2, you could go and hide in any crowd you wanted. Mm. Uh, you could hire the courtesans or thieves to distract the guards so that you could sneak through areas. And these these are little things that have improved game to game. And See, my, my favourite little thing they added was being able to throw the money down, and the whole mm-hmm. crowd would just swarm over it. I, that, the first time I did that, I was like, oh, this is cool. And you just found yourself running around streets just throwing coins down just to see how everybody reacts. Because you had so much money anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, at that point, you kind of think, oh, well, what, am I, what else am I going to do with it all? <laughs> to everyone's point here, actually, um, this, this show here started out as an Assassin's Creed Brotherhood show. It, it made most sense with Revelations coming around the corner. But we quickly realized that if you're going to talk about any one aspect of this game that it pretty much involved like an evolution process through you know if it be the story but more so that the gameplay than anything else there's there's no point just focusing on on brotherhood because the story is to be told of how it's improved on its core mechanic mm-hmm. um but i, I want to focus on on a couple of um aspects um for the time being which is how do we feel about the one-to-one mechanic um many people have seen it as as a weakness of the series the way that um as a player you sit there and it's all about that wait for that person to count for that person to attack you and you counter um there seems to be a group of people that love to be five or six people charging you at once and how you deal with that situation is that something that we know they've they've changed with revelations are they still going down that same route and if so do we actually quite enjoy just the singular one-on-one mechanic with the combo system. I think it works quite well in the Assassin's Creed universe to be a one-on-one mechanic. It's very much like you'd see in the Musketeers movies or mm. films of of that ilk where they would come at you. We've Obviously, we've had games where multiple enemies can attack you and you can count. You've got the likes of Bayonetta, you've got the likes of Batman, Arkham Asylum and City, which would have you swarmed upon. Um, for me, I actually like the fact that Assassin's Creed has its own mechanic that it sticks to so i hope they haven't changed it i i agree but i would also say they kind of already have in um 
in Assassin's Creed 2, they tweaked it to try and make the combat a bit smoother, and people were still complaining that it was quite slow. It was a lot of waiting for, for the counters. And in Brotherhood, they allowed you to string counters, didn't they? So you, yes. you, could, you could more quickly deal with a group of enemies, and so 10 enemies didn't become a, a five-minute fight. They, it became much, much quicker. But it still kept that core of sitting and waiting and picking your time and countering. And I quite like it. That's right. They added the instant kill, didn't they? The perfect yeah, timing yeah. strike. Yeah, I forgot you, about you that. Could, yeah, you could keep your analog stick pointed at the next person you wanted that was to hit. excellent. And, and, and hit the next one, but still keep your guard up against everyone. So yeah, I had a lot of problem with that, with the counters on, on one. It took me a, mm. a long time to get to get used to it and to be able to pull it out because it always seemed so. It, it seemed quite stiff, you know, when I was in the middle of a fight. But then obviously playing Brotherhood where... And I can't remember if this is in the first game where the icon flashes over their head that tells you that they're the one who is going to attack next. And, you know, just being able to press X and he would counter and, and, and do it, like you say, the instant kill. Hmm. I found I'm not somebody who wants to get bogged down in combat ever in these games. I don't enjoy that element to it. There's, yeah. It's the other stuff that I prefer to do. So... For me, it's it's ideal just being able to jump into a fight like that and just keep pressing the one button, so to speak, and and have done with it. For me, certainly, um, time we got to Brotherhood, you you actually, I mean, it's so free flowing, it's so smooth and seamless. You actually start aiming for kind of context sensitive executions. Um, you know, whether you're trying to fight somebody near the edge of the rooftop to push them off, rather than just stabbing them in the face or trying to pull them off the top of the building or however it may be if you if you're stringing a combo together that you can you know smash somebody into the environment so you know it's clearly evolved over from one um and I, like, like you jam i'm not overly sure i wanted to turn into anything more maybe the batman slightly faster combo system could work in this but it doesn't really have weapons that are stabbing through people's faces and you know putting swords through people's chests and back mm. of their spines i don't it's... think the assassin's creed games necessarily get the credit they deserve for the combat and the way they've evolved the system mm. um obviously we've we've had the ability to counter as we've mentioned the ability to simply take weapons off your enemies with a timed That's strike right, yeah. you can then use ranged weapons i believe in assassin's creed 2 there was over 20 weapons you could buy and then the, you later had the ability to use maces and hammers and, and even the, the sweeping move of knocking people off their legs yeah, and throwing uh, dirt in their throw face sand, to blind yeah, them. throw sand yeah. the smoke bombs poison the ability to use medicine in the middle of a battle um, mm. uh, armour that would improve you, you know your, mm. your durability in battle and slow you down and of course they actually added a gun which everybody was dubious of and it ended up working incredibly well and it fits mm. within yeah. context, I think. It works I, well, very I was really well. worried when they said they're going to bring a gun in, but it, it's you really only one shot, um, you know, per, com, per, per combat scenario, kind of. Yeah. That's what it feels anyway. I'll tell you one yeah. thing, though. The one thing that I, I do think needs still needs to be improved, and considering that you're supposed to be this assassin, is the stealth element of the game. I've always struggled mm. with it, because even playing Brotherhood, I feel that the stealth side of it has been done better in games like Splinter Cell, which is strange because they are, um, you know, with the Ubisoft thing anyway. But um, it's you can hide in hay bales and stuff, but like on those missions where you're following people and you're not to get spotted, you're so restricted into what you can actually do. Things like being able to sort of 
hug a corner and just being able to peer around and stuff. You can't do any of that stuff. He just sort of stands there like a lemon while you, you're kind of just angling the camera around so you can see where he is. <laughs> I think that's a good point. I mean, you've, you've got something like, again, to throw that comparison, Uncharted, that has almost mm. a carbon copy follow mechanic, except yeah. you can take cover. So it seems strange that something like Assassin's Creed would actually have a worse stealth element than something like Uncharted. And mm. I think you're right, that is definitely an area that needs improving. I, I really struggled with, because on Brotherhood, there's quite a few of these kind of don't mm. get spotted, but follow this person. Follow them, yeah. And you just want to be able to sort of hide behind stuff right? and, and like, you know, crouch and grab, you know, where you hug the walls and kind of thing, but you can't do any of that. Or, and it, not, it, or to not simply jump off a building accidentally yeah. off the roof. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Shadow Colossus moments there. Um, I've actually got quite a controversial opinion about this. I actually preferred the gameplay um, layout of Assassin's Creed 1 over Assassin's Creed 2. Mm -hmm. Mainly because I I like the more clearly defined objectives from 1. There seemed to be somewhat more of a free reign to to achieve the mission how you wanted to achieve it in 1. So you'd have your target, there was your target spotted, you'd see him on the map. Um, and it was more of a case of how do you get into that area? They're not really going to move too far. Occasionally, you would end up with a, a, a chase down the street, but rarely. Um, and it was all all dependent on how well you you pulled off that execution. I kind of think with two and three that there was a lot more scripted moments in there where they wanted you to follow somebody to a to b. Um, you know, chase them up a stair staircase where the stairs are going to have to fall down, and you're going to have to then climb your way mm. up. And they, they tried to up the ante. But by doing so, it, it took away some of the the aspects I, I like from one, which is you know creating my own adventure, my own yeah. um, killing of the characters. It, it felt more mm. like um, Hitman than um, something like Uncharted, where it's kind of you know a story that needs to be mm. you know, a story of a scene that needs to be told because you know they, yeah. they think it's contextually true. Uh, important. But they obviously wanted a more defined, directed system uh, for later Assassin's Creed. I mean, in Brotherhood, you have the ability to sort of do it how you want to do it. Yeah. They're obviously split into specific kinds of missions, uh, but you also have the ability to 100% sync that specific mission by meeting mm. a target. And I think that's their alternative to the system, was to say, look, you can do it this way and we'll we'll pass you, or you can do it this way and you're going to get but a in a way, for it. It's... It, it's- with Ubisoft as well, they've done better systems in some of their earlier games. I found that the with Chaos Theory, um, you could 100% the mission, which was literally just stick to, uh, with a lot of it, it was kill only one person, the person you were meant to kill. Nobody else is, mm-hmm. is you know, you don't, you don't use lethal force on anybody so else. Yeah. And yeah. I found that it, it was quite flexible. You know, there was absolute flexibility in how you approached that. But Assassin's Creed, oh, there was a few missions that I just thought were ridiculous. The, the one where you have to kill, is it a bishop or one of the, um, the churchmen who's, who's backing the bad guy? And he goes on this protracted chase through the yeah. roof of the... And he's like this old man. And yet somehow yeah. he is running faster than me. He can leap over buildings up scaffolding <laughs> faster than Ezio, who is this master assassin, who is at the height of his abilities. And I just thought, this is bloody stupid you know and um 
and then sometimes I found myself not liking the way that it, it you had these scripted moments that you could only you would only get to kill this guy when it allowed you to do so. And whether as mm. you know, you kind of want to just be able to sort of sit on a roof, wait for him to, you know, maybe if you're willing to sit on a roof for 15 minutes whilst he does a, a tour of somewhere and you just wait for him and then jump on him and do him in the neck, you know. You've hit the nail on the head for me. I always felt in Assassin's Creed 1, um, for all the other broken gameplay elements that I had, that when you were going for that assassination, the stakes were that much higher because mm. you may have stood on the rooftop for 15 minutes just watching his pattern going around. And, you know, you would end up in this horrendous fail state if you if you jumped down there and you got it wrong, mm. you got your timing wrong, yeah. you'd all but instantly die because, you know, they didn't take too kindly when you're in there. Brotherhood, mm. there seems to be a lot more flexibility if you mess it up you can go off and chase them. And maybe that's a consent to modern day gamers. Maybe not, but I, I just prefer that the, you know, the biggest stake of, you know, if I'm going to jump down there, this needs to be right. And certainly every time that I happened to knife somebody in the back of the neck and then laid them on the floor and, you know, said, what does he say? Some brilliant words that he says. There we go. Um, that, you know, that really resonated with me in, in one, not, not saying that there isn't standout moments in any of the other two games. For one in particular, and I don't know why this one st- sticks in my mind, probably because it's the most absurd way to do it, um, is the one you're coming down in, in, in Brotherhood in, in the church and you have to come from the roof line down and kill this guy by, by the altar. Um, and you do this by just coming through the, like the temple dome right at the very top and climbing your way down. You're hanging vertically down. You're just holding on by your hands bit by bit by bit as he's, you're coming down towards him and drop down and finally knife him in the back of the head. Uh, I, brilliant. Absolutely loved it. And I did it so stillfully and I think I got 100% sync on that. And it, it was like, yes. Didn't expect him from the roof, did you? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Any, any big gameplay standout moments for you guys? What, what I would say is, I, I, I agree with you. Just on the stealth quickly, I, I love stealth games generally. I think Ubisoft's struggle not having a light, dark mechanic. They don't know how to do stealth without that there. Um, and they're aiming for something more like Hitman in the first game. Um, and the problem I had with it was you had to go and do these little sort of side missions to to get the information you needed to go and make the kill. But the information was rarely something that was useful to you. Mm-hmm. You ended up still being able to do exactly what you wanted to do or or not when you got to the scene. If there was only one way to do it, there was only one way to do it. Um, but the one that I remember more than anything is, um, it's actually in the first game, you're going into a hospital and there's sick people lying all around. And this doctor who is one of the nine you have to, to kill is walking around. Pillars everywhere. That, yeah, mm. that felt like Hitman to me. Because you had to try and sit up in the in the roof and work out how you were going to get to him, because you couldn't be seen. If you were seen by any of the guards, that was it. Mission there's, over. There's a similar mission in in Brotherhood where you have to work mm. up to this grand party. I think it's like the mayor or somebody is having. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, you're dressed up in the, in the face mask and you're yeah. just trying yeah. to blend in with the crowd. Um, and to do that mi- mission perfectly, you have to sit on this bench. Um, mm-hmm. And they're really suspicious of you walking up to this bench, but you sit down, you climb, you know, I think there's almost like somebody reading their paper or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just walks past and you jump up and, you know, you, I think you let, stab him and then lay him back down on the bench and walk away. And to yeah. me, that's very Hitman-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Uh, it, it's a weird thing, but now you're saying it, I can't, nothing really stands out. 
There's, there aren't any sort of particular. I mean, the the one you've just said, I I found myself getting quite frustrated with that because you have to use the courtesans to sort of distract the guards. But I mm. kept getting spotted, and it and I think that one particular mission was where I really struggled with the stealth element. You know, like I couldn't get behind stuff the way I wanted to. I couldn't mm. do all that stuff, and I found that one quite frustrating. I've often found that the ones that I enjoyed the most are, are literally the ones where you. With Brotherhood particularly, it was um, the straight-up stand-up fights with the French soldiers, and you literally storm in their um, their uh, barracks with your sort of guys who were backing you up. And it was, yeah, and I think it, there wasn't any one particular mission with Brotherhood in particular. It was the using your assassins to do the kills. I, mm. I quite, I liked that. I would just mark the guy and let them do all the work. All the time. <laughs> I'm completely with Jay. My most memorable moments are completely irrelevant of the mission. It would be like calling in your your, your friends in Brotherhood to obviously mm. do the assassinations or simply being in the middle of a big battle where you would start stringing your counters together and you'd hit a guy in turn 180 and you know smash your sword into his neck and then kick him off. And <laughs> it, it was very cinematic. I think mm. the reason that none of the missions resonate with me is like something like a Hitman as is obviously an obvious comparison because doing that kind of system in a big open world is very, very difficult. It's difficult mm. enough in a Hitman game where you've, you've got so many different varieties and ways that you can do stuff, but you are quite restricted in the tiny little world you're in compared to the massive world that's in Assassin's Creed and being able to have every you know action have a reaction and then another two reactions and you mm. end up splitting off into trees of what can happen mm-hmm. in an open world that is incredibly difficult name nigh on impossible certainly now i think that that's why none of those sort of missions resonate i certainly think it, it achieves it on on some level um certainly after you've done the, the executions and they're banging for your blood and you're running across the rooftops and then You've got, you've got that sphere near you where you're just trying to get out the, their sight of their gaze and, and land in the nearest hay bale or whatever. And when you finally escape, there is that, sheesh, Jesus, yes, I'm out, I'm out. And, and then you, you know, you're trying not to do anything wrong as you're walking through because they're still on high alert. So, I, you know, it, it does share elements with Hitman. But um, I think you're right, Carl, that the fact that it's such a huge player environment probably does limit them in, in what they can achieve you know, within more contained areas. Um, I think to to that end, they've probably foregone what they tried to do in Assassin's Creed, which was very much they were pushing this idea of social stealth. Um, and they've foregone that because they realized that creating the world was what was more important to them. And we've already said, I think all of us were more or less impressed with, with the world they managed to create in two uh, based upon what they'd already done in one. So. Jay, you, you mentioned the, the assassins they bring in. Um, it's something you work towards, and there's actually an RPG element mm. where you, you can send them away on missions, and if they complete those missions, they, you can level up the characters, and yeah. you know, they, they can do a lot harder missions along the way and um, you know, bring you more finances in. Yeah. You can also use them on, on, on the battlefield. Do you think that's just a consent for them to kind of get rid of those, you know, those what, what seem on occasions pointless battles where you end up in this uh, a war of attrition well, for 20 is, minutes. Uh, you can, there's, there's um, management going on with this, isn't there? Because you're, you can, if you've sent all your assassins off to do missions in other countries, which you can, 
mm-hmm. on that sort of um, text-based adventure almost to some degree, uh, you won't have anybody to back you up. As I found out to my dismay when I realized <laughs> like, I was surrounded by soldiers that I'll just call my guys in and, and like there's nobody there. And I was like, oh, shit. But it's like, yeah, but I really, uh, it was, I found that I, whilst I enjoyed Brotherhood story, the stuff I spent more time in was the economy side of things and the managing my um, my assassins, you know, sending them off on the little missions, the easy missions to begin with, get their experience up, get better armor. And I loved the way that you had that whole cutscene once they'd once they'd reached um, the assassin assassins, yeah. Or, yeah, become the the uh, a true assassin. They would have that little ceremony cutscene where you would you would have them in, and they would you know have to take their finger off and stuff. Um, but it, I, I, that, I spent so long doing that. Every single one of my assassins was like fully maxed up. And the one time one of them got killed during a mission, I was gutted, <laughs> you know, you I had to killed? quickly get another one back up to scratch because I was just, you know, because they stayed, they're different. Each character, you know, they do that little thing where each, they're all named, they're all individuals and you kind of, I really got into that mechanic of it. And, and to me, they could almost make a game. I'm sure it wouldn't necessarily sell that well, but I, I could sit there and play a game that was based just solely on that mechanic. But Talk, talking about Brotherhood, did anyone use the, the courtesans because yeah, you can go to their places mm. and build up their you know their abilities and also the thieves? I, I tended to avoid all those altogether, just concentrate yeah. on the well. The, the, thief, the thieves tend to be like races more or less, don't they? Where they you know rooftop races and stuff like that, which I found to yeah. be quite annoying. Mm. Um, it was the different guilds, wasn't it? You yeah. had the guild properties that you could open up to one of the different guilds that you could you could put in there. Mm-hmm. I didn't find that terribly well nah. explained, and I didn't find need to to work it out. But yeah, but you there never were, used there were those it. challenges on the the sort of chalkboards in there, weren't there? Yeah. Um, but I just never found the need to work out what what was the best thing to do with that. Mm. Like Jay, I just stuck to training the assassins and getting them up so that I had a good squad. Okay, well, I'm, I want to move on to um, the multiplayer in a second, but before we go there, how do we, how do we feel about the traversal of, of the environment? Because clearly that's one aspect of the gameplay that has had seen massive improvement since the first one. Um, mm. There was an ability in the first one where, you, well, one, you couldn't swim, which was mm. always a problem, uh, and two, that quite often you would fall off edges. Uh, do we like the, the sticky nature of, of the way that Ezio and um, our, well, Ezio in particular moves around the environment? Or, you know, I've heard a few people don't really like how um, free-flowing, how quickly it is to climb stuff. They really, you know, prefer the ability to you know, grab every ledge themselves. I think it's a necessary evil. Yeah. It's an evil, though? Yeah. Would you well, say it's evil? I... I've personally found it was fine when I wasn't being chased or having to chase somebody because there was always those moments when I'm chasing and because he wasn't sprinting, I couldn't jump off a ledge. I would just flip backwards and grab the ledge off of it. And it was, uh, and then I've got to climb back up, jump off properly. I found sometimes it would get on my nerves and, and if I was being chased, then he would go off slightly off at an angle and, and I either, you know fall to the street and lose half my health as I hit the pavement. Um, but you know, for what it is, it didn't ever, you know, drive me to the point where I turned the damn thing off or anything. It was so, so would you just, argue they still haven't perfected it then? Well, like like Carl was saying, it, it's a necessary evil. I think that the 
if you make it uh, the 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 ability to just run off ledges and and say fall to your death if you're too high would be frustrating as hell if they put that in. So I think the idea of having him sort of be able to just grab the ledge at the last second and stuff and and, and uh, you know I would rather that than the other one. Well, I I think it has to be there as well because it, mm. it's not like it, it is an uncharted game where the the traversal segments are, are very you know clearly in well clearly indicated, mm. but there's a lot slower pace to it. You're trying to get from A to B, yeah. uh, comparatively to Assassin's uh, Creed, and, where and you're rarely you're doing that under a time pressure, yeah, like chasing, exactly. being chased or chasing someone. And it's also not as focused as well because Uncharted does use yeah. invisible walls to focus you down a channel. Mm. Yeah. The game that I would compare it to would be Infamous, and I much prefer Assassin's Creed in that respect. Infamous annoyed the crap out of me with how sticky coal is. You'd jump at something and suddenly shift two feet to the right and grab whatever it was, and you think, if that's the concession you have to make for the system you've created, get a better system. <laughs> and Assassin's Creed, you do get those moments where you jump off at a slightly wrong angle, and it's you think, oh, that's not what I intended. Why isn't this control better? But They've improved it each and every time, mm. and I hope they continue to improve it. But I think for for the open world game it is, with all the possibilities of what you can do, I think whether it's a necessary evil or a necessary concession to, to do it the way they do, I'm much happier with it than I am most games that, that attempt this. So, Well, e- even you know, if there's a, a fairly help, healthy dose of automation to the climbing, there, there's still segments when you're trying to climb towers or, or you know, traverse an area you have to do a lot of manual thinking of, of where you yeah. need to go next. And, hmm. you know, just because you can go left, sometimes going up and right would be the better option. So hmm. you know, I, I, there's still elements there of old style climbing systems. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't even see it as a necessary evil. I just think it's a, you know, it's exactly what they need within that game. Um, hmm. I can't foresee how they would do it any other way. Hmm. Um, so let's talk a little about multiplayer. Um, when it comes to single-player games, no one really ever asks for multiplayer. Um, but quite often what happens, it, it turns out to be quite good. Um, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, I, I believe, is one of those games. Um, I certainly wasn't really excited about the multiplayer. In fact, when they first announced Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, all they seemed to be doing was showing the multiplayer. And I think there was a big segment of the, the populace that were convinced that it was just a multiplayer game because Ubisoft seemed to be focusing on that so heavily. Yeah. Uh, they for, for, forgot to um, promote that there was that, a single-player aspect. That's the best stealth element they put into Assassin's Creed was getting a single, full single-player bigger than Assassin's wasn't it? Creed it's crazy. the third game. But was, I think they <laughs> needed to sell the multiplayer far more yeah. than the, perhaps the single-player needed to be done anyway. Yeah, but even, even I, up until I think it was two months before release, um, was convinced that it was a this weird multiplayer spin-off thing they were doing. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know, like this, they started showing off the single-player, like, oh, it's got a... How big's the campaign? Like 30, yeah. 40 hour campaign yeah. actually inside this and there's multiplayer aspect. And that's, you know. and, and it's also going to be integral because it, the word came out that it was going to continue the story. Yes. And you needed to know this if you, if you were interested in the story, you know. So anybody yeah. play the multiplayer, get to level 50, uh, do all the, the things that need to be done? I got quite far in the multiplayer. Um, um, I actually really quite like the multiplayer because the, it did the opposite thing to the single player for me in that when I was trying to either chase someone or get away from someone or which was nearly always ultimately a crowd it was it was never tense it was just frustrating there were times where you'd you'd feel like you'd be running away for 10 minutes and you just could not get that distance now you take Mm. a similar element into the multiplayer there's no frustration but there is pure 
tense panic that someone there knows that you're the target and they're just going to step out of a crowd and kill you and you're trying to make all these you know movements as to not give yourself away and it was just it was pure adrenaline playing that game in multiplayer that I would end up playing you know three four rounds and feel physically drained um and I put so many hours and nights into that game and it is just it's it's arguably better than the single player campaign. I mean, you get you get the um, what you don't necessarily get in the single player, and you do get in the multiplayer is that elation because you feel like you have when you get away or when you catch someone, you feel you feel like you've bested them in mm. a way that even the most popular multiplayer games often fail on because you end up thinking you know the, the old adage is two steps and die in Call of Duty, and you think well I didn't do anything wrong there. It's just that. That's what happens in this game. Whereas with Assassin's Creed Brotherhood's multiplayer, you do feel like this is for me to win and lose. And when you when you win, it feels great. I think the key, the key aspect to me is is the blending within the crowd. Um, hmm. It took me a while to get over the the fact that I shouldn't be running in that multiplayer. In fact, it's about the worst thing you can do. Um, and I, I love the fact that you're given a target. They're giving you, you'll be the target for somebody else, but they're not necessarily your target. They could be someone entirely different. Um, and all you really know is, is their face. Uh, but yet everybody else, you know, there's a, a number of people within those maps that have the same face. So you're constantly yeah. on edge. Um, and it, you don't really want to hang around in crowds because you're thinking, well, you know, I'm going to be an easy target, but you know, I'm not moving. So if they do find me, it's an instant kill. Yet the moment you step out of those crowds is the moment they can see that you're not just an AI and, and they suddenly go for you. So it is a real uh, intense thing. Strangely, it's one of those ones where, for me, it didn't last more than a, maybe a, about a month's worth of play just because it was so different. And quite often I wasn't looking for that in the evening. Uh, I just wanted to shoot, right. some, shoot some mans in the face, maybe. <laughs> but um, I, I think it has to be applauded that it's unique. And it's, by the sounds of it, it's something they're, they're running with for the, for the next game. Jay, yeah. something you've explored? I've never, never once tried it. Um, really? Yeah. It, well, two reasons. One, I played them on the 360, and I only, I only, I stopped paying for gold like yeah. eighteen months ago. So you know, any multiplayer on there is not an option. Um, but also, it's, it's, it's it, there's certain games that I'm not interested in the multiplayer. I'm not necessarily resentful, and if they do a good job, who knows? But it's things like Dead Space 2, or Dead Space, or Dead Space 2 particularly, added mm-hmm. multiplayer, never even looked at that. And I had the opportunity, because I played it on the PS3. Um, it's the, the talk of, say, Mass Effect having multiplayer, or Mass Effect 3 having a multiplayer component. Yeah, but not interested. so... Well, you know. yeah, but even so, it's, it, to me, uh, those are games I don't want to be messing with. The, I mean, it's a different mechanic with that. With that, it's you've got the co-op, and I feel that the the uh, slightly off tangent, but the 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 conversation you'll be having while you're playing will detract from the experience of the game. So I don't want to know. Um, Uncharted, even to some degree, not really ever really that but focused on the multiplayer, mm-hmm. even though that has one hell of a strong um, multiplayer, huge following anyway. Yeah, yeah. but it's it, it, for me th- these games are single player, and um, I'm just. I'm not that interested in it. If they went down the route of co-op, like a, a co-op campaign, m- maybe, maybe not. Maybe for the same reasons I say no to um, 
for Mass Effect. Because it carries pros and cons with that. It can be fun as hell, but I find that the best way of playing co-op games is by not having mics, not having comms between you, creating a, a communication mm. system that's purely game-based so that the characters are interacting properly and you're doing everything within the confines of, of the, the game world rather than having external voice chat. Because to me, that just totally kills any kind of um, communication, you know, in, in, in terms yeah. of a story-based co-op game. I think the, the other thing is with those games you've mentioned, Jay, in, in all of them, the combat suits single player, but the combat is not the strong suit of the game. You mm. think Mass Effect and Uncharted, the, the combat may be enjoyable, yeah. it may be good, but it doesn't suit the sort of combat you'd need in a multiplayer game. And I think that's maybe the clever thing that I enjoy about Assassin's Creed is it doesn't rely on that combat system. It's mm. not about that at all. It's, it's, about, it, it's about that hiding and that stealth yeah. mechanic. And so that's what they did to try and make it something different. And I think that's probably why, um, why people enjoy it so much. And certainly, um, I know James Batchelor of, of Games Burst, um, he will not play standard multiplayer games, but loved did, Assassin's yeah. Creed Brotherhood. But and just, just on your note, his, his absolute disbelief at seeing uh, James Perkins of IDKFA go into that world and just start running everywhere <laughs> was hilarious. But here's the thing. Do you think it's something that they can really expand upon, or do you think it's going to be like a one-trick wonder with that kind of thing? You know, I mean, I mean... You know, who am yeah. I to say what they might have planned for it? But it, it feels like it, it, its strength I, lies in that stealth within the multiplayer, that sort of sneak yeah. upon your enemy kind of thing Very and stab much. them without, you know, being detected. Kind what of I'd thing. say, Jay, mm. is that having played it for so many hours, mm. it's a hell of a trick. So mm. if it does only have one trick, it's a decent one to rely yeah. on. It, you know, it, it does have different modes. You yeah. have obviously individual targets where. As Tony said, you can have a target and someone else will have you as a target, or you can have one where it's sort of team-based and you're going mm -hmm. after a group of targets and they can't kill you. You, you They can only defend. So if you attack right. the wrong person, they'll sort of give you a tango, slap around the ears, and then run off. Um, and you've got skill sets where you can merge crowds to look like you. and. Right, that, yeah. that sort of gameplay element works so well in the world that mm. it's, you know, as we've said, running isn't a go. It's all about you being that, you know, more patient and that little bit smarter than the person who's after you. And yeah. there's so many little victories that you have when, say, you're, you're stood at a stall uh, with two other AI characters and, you, mm. you know, you can merge them to look like you. And they, you, you sort of see out the corner of your eye this guy come running around and you know it's the guy that's coming for you. And he mm. leaps in and he kills the person next to you. And you <laughs> get him around the ears and you just run. Because obviously he's dead. He doesn't know yeah. where you go. Yeah. And you do it again. You know, part of you is saying, go on, got to run, got to go, get away. And the other half's going, go on, get in there. You know, I've, you know, I've bettered him. Now to do oh. it again. And it is just pure rush. And well. For an alternative multiplayer to the, the standard Battlefield, Call of Duties, mm -hmm. yeah. it's something that I would recommend everyone 
try it. Not everyone will like it, but everybody should try it. Well, mm. I think you file it under the the equivalent of something like Gears of War Hold. You know, just because you think you you know you won't like the multiplayer, there is a way that the game developers can you know tailor something that is entirely mm. different from what you're expecting. You know, it, it's not just run and gun. It there is a, a lot of thought behind it. Uh, and certainly in the team game, a lot of uh, teamwork where you're saying he's over by the store. He's, he's one of those, you know, whatever that, you know, the person with mm. the, the weird hat on. Um, and everyone's like, oh, where? Well, I have no idea who you mean. Where are they? Um, mm. So, yeah, I, th- I think it would be interesting if you were to play it now, Jake. But unfortunately, I imagine the, the skill sets of the well, people the are still on it. Yeah. Revelations is coming and I might, I might endeavor to pick that one up on the or play it on the PS3 so I get to. But, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not one of these that's saying, oh, they're just tacking on multiplayer in order to to give the the game longer legs. Um, it's just, you know, it's purely based on the fact that there are certain games that I've only ever played for single player experiences. And, it, it, you know, maybe I will give it a shot next time around. I did, I have read, you know, so many good things and so many people have said so much positive uh, remarks about the, the multiplayer on this. It's, it's you know, I should be uh, commending them for trying something different as well. I think the difficulty Ubisoft have got is that Assassin's Creed's multiplayer is very much the mirror's edge or enslaved of of multiplayers in terms mm. of lots and lots of critical and community support. But in, when it comes to people playing it, it, I don't know how many people are going to go for it compared to the more standard multiplayer games, you know, and, and how successful it is is based mm. on the number of players that are there. Um, and as you said, Tony, after... What a number of weeks after their game's release, you just weren't going back to it anymore. I think mm-hmm. that's the struggle it's got. It's going to get a lot of critical acclaim, and if they can improve on it with revelations, it will get loads more. But I don't know that it'll get the players. Well, you, you always know they, you know, publishers love bullet points and backer boxes. So if nothing <laughs> else, then they can at least say it's yeah. multiplayer. Okay, so let's start closing this podcast up. Mm-hmm. Um, Assassin's Creed Revelations is due out for release at this point on Tuesday, 15th of November, so a couple of weeks away. Um, mm-hmm. What do we know about the game and what do we expect? Um, and is the continuation of the Ezio Saga story just one step too far? I know we've briefly kind of touched on this on the story, but you know, are we ready to go back to the same world again? Um, and from what I've seen from the trailers and, and the free gameplay demonstration, that there seems to be... Um, Ezio is almost an action hero now, uh, less stealth, mm. more blow. What I would say, I think, for me, I thought Brotherhood was going to be a step too far, and I was surprised. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm sort of in the situation where I don't know if I'll pick up Revelations day one. I didn't pick up Brotherhood day one. I got it in the new year once I'd cleared some of the sort of rush of games, and I can see myself doing that this time. Going back to Altair's story in some respect... It's tough to look past that for me. That's going to be a real draw for me, and I, I know I'm going to play it, and I'm looking forward to what they do with that. And as Carl was mentioning the tower defense, I couldn't help but picture Plants vs. Zombies done in Assassin's <laughs> Creed, and that's just that's too much for me. I'm going to be there one way or another, I think. I'm probably the complete opposite. As soon as the pre-order went up on the Ubi shop for the Animus edition, <sighs> I couldn't help but pre-order it i I put (laughs) off playing assassin's creed 2 for the longest time i actually completed it at the arse end of 2010 um Mm. and loved it and went straight into brotherhood i never Mm -hmm. felt any burnout whatsoever and brotherhood ended on a point that i just it was so different 
and you, you're thinking, why did I just do that? That I have to play this new one just to know where that story's going because I feel quite invested in the Desmond story. I know not everyone does. And I want to know where that's going, probably more so than the the Ezio section. But I haven't got a problem with going back to that time period because mm. I still think it feels fresh. Mm. And talk, talking about burnout, actually, I think that is something that can happen quite easily on Assassin's Creed games. I know a lot of people went back or started playing 2 for the first time once Brotherhood came out and, and was receiving good reviews and a lot of twi- Twitter hype from people that you know were generally quite impressed with the game when they felt that it was going to be a spin-off. It turned out to be something maybe a bit more major and probably the best within the series anyway. Um, and I, I, I know a number of people, I think actually um, Leon included, play 2 um, and then because they're, they're what? 40 to 50 hour time sinks, I guess. Well, only if you're going to 100% everything. I mean, Which I, you can't I, help. Well, Come on. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I did the campaign and uh, pretty much all the main submissions. I didn't do the collectibles. And I had, a, I think, 23 hours on the clocks, which is yeah. still, you know, a hell of a lot. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, definitely for a single player campaign, it, it, you know, it's there's not that many that will knock up that kind of time. So I think there is. But there is a chance of burnout if you're going from a 23-hour campaign straight into the next one. But it's mm-hmm. been a long time since Brotherhood now. Um, I think I'm probably ready to, to re-enter that world. The burnout probably won't be there for me. Um, and before the show, I, as I said before, I, I really wasn't sure about Revelations. It, I just The continuation of the story that I wasn't necessarily, and when I've enjoyed but didn't really feel like there was, should be a third part. But then that's the exact same thing I said about Brotherhood. Um, I didn't really feel. I felt like you know there was a, a good enough end at the at the end of Assassin's Creed Two that we didn't necessarily see it, need to see any more of Ezio's story, uh, and they pulled it out of the bag. So mm. um, doing this show has actually made me quite excited to play Revelations now. Although I am a little concerned from what I've seen him being in this weird action hero stance of blowing up ships and jumping from pillar to pillar as big bangs are happening behind him. Um, I'm not too sure that's what I want from my Assassin's Creed, but until I've played it. It's hard to uh, <laughs> to say whether that was actually something that I wasn't really after. Um, Jay, final well, thoughts on Assassin's Creed? The only game, the only one of the series so far that I've actually ever bought day one was the first one. Um, I bought the second when it had dropped in price, just because, you know, as I do with many single-player games, because they are usually the quickest ones to fall in price when, when other stuff comes out. Um, and I love filmed Brotherhood. Um I've no idea how I'm gonna when I, when I'm gonna get around to playing it, other than that I will play Revelations. Um, yeah. You know, I do want to see where where they take this. It is a series that you know. Once I've started playing, I have thoroughly enjoyed every one of them. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, they're, they're games that I feel have improved each and every time. So, you know, I I, I don't know what to expect, and I don't really have any kind of. Um, I don't have any preconceptions about what to expect either. It's just I'm just going to let the game happen, and no doubt I'll I'll read um, a lot about it in once the game comes out anyway, and so I'll have a good idea of of what what is in there. Um, but no, it will be it will be a series at least for the foreseeable future that I will be following, you know, somewhere down the line. Well, 
I for one hope that we get some answers within the story because I think you know looking back of, of what we talked about in the show, the story is the one thing where we're all just that little bit confused on, and maybe is the uh, maybe it's a, a, a good thing. Maybe that's what they want us to be, and maybe that's what keeps us coming back. But it's this moment, I, yeah, I want the answers for. God I want damn more it. shops. Yes, come on. Well, you know, you just <laughs> no, want more sh- shops. You just want to buy stuff. Great. <laughs> Um, so that will do this uh, this week's Cane and Rinse. Um, you know, that's all about the Assassin's Creed uh, series. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, upcoming shows will feature, I believe, next week is going to be an enslaved and heavily sword show. Um, sure to cause some debate because I know there's some varied opinions on the enslaved in particular and heavy sword. Heavenly sword has always been one to, you know, you either love it or hate it. Or just hate the emboss. Um, there's a Shadow of the Dam show coming up after that. I'm not sure what's after that. I'm away on holiday in, in a couple of weeks' time, so uh, I'm sure that uh, Leon will let you know in, in good time. Um, but we would love your comments via Skype as, or an MP3 file for those shows. Uh, if you've got an opinion on Enslaved, an opinion on Heavenly Sword, or Shadows of the Damned, then please do leave us a voicemail uh, via the Skype, uh, where you just need to send us a contact. We're accepted. You can leave it. If you do it sooner or later, then you only ever need to do it once, and you can keep, you know, can participate in the show. Can I just uh, um, add to that? I sure. know that some people have sent them in. Um, don't be dismayed if we haven't used them yet. They are I have the files. They are sitting there. We're just waiting for the right moment to use them. Um, cool. There's some quite random stuff come through, but you know it's it's not been done. Don't don't be dismayed if you haven't heard it within a week or two. You have to send it. Have we had yeah. any pocket calls or drunk calls? Um, <laughs> there's possibility that some were drunk whilst doing them. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, I shall look for. I look forward. To, I can search from now. But uh, of course, um, you if you want to send us an MP3 file, or if you just mm-hmm. want to send us an email and, and you know agree or disagree with some of the points we've we've raised, um, you can find us on caneandrince at gmail.com. We're also part of the Character Select network, and with that, you can also come to the Character Select forums, where all those uh, member sites also participate in, and it's one big mishmash of fun good times and talking about games that we haven't covered on this show yet and of course the big game nights such as Battlefield 3 hopefully in the future and Forza whatnot. so I've been your host Tony Atkins and all that is left for me to do is thank Jay Taylor Pretty Boy Carl Moon and slightly more northern than the rest of them James Carter